Hey everybody, welcome back to Kidsplanation today. So for those of you who don't know on Vetsplanation, I will sometimes have my 11, now 11 year old son on Oren, and he'll usually ask me some sort of question. I have not prepared any answers for this. I just have a general idea of what he's going to ask me. Otherwise, a lot of this is just him asking me questions about animals, veterinary medicine in general, and we just talk about that. So would you like to introduce yourself, Oren? Hi. All right, so I heard you have questions today, like the follow-up to the last time, right? We talked about mm -hmm. dogs and cats and how to best take care of them, but now you wanted to ask about what? Gerbils, hamsters, guinea pigs, those yeah. things. All right, so we refer to them as like pocket pets or like small companion animals. Yeah, we want to talk about the pocket pets. Yeah. So let's see. It's actually a great question, especially around this time of the year, because a lot of people will end up getting like little hamsters for people or for kids for Christmas. One of the first things is these animals do usually live inside. So you want to have a nice big cage for them. With hamsters, they really like to burrow into things. Like they like a lot of bedding in there. So that way they can burrow into little holes, especially with it being cold, which is a great, great thing to talk about. With hamsters, they also usually like to have some sort of hiding place. There's lots of different types of hamsters. So I really like the Russian dwarf hamsters. Those are my favorite, but there's lots of different types of hamsters. Mm -hmm. And the big thing is making sure that they have like adequate food. So food and water are really important for them. They have to have not just a lot of fruits and vegetables. People tend to give them a lot of fruits because they love fruits, but it does actually give them diarrhea, which can make them super sick. So we don't really want to do that. We actually want to give them they're a prepared diet. So usually you go to the store and you can find a hamster diet. And you want to make sure it's specific for the hamsters. Wait, Jen, is, yeah. there, is, is it okay to get them like every like once in a while, after, like maybe six months apart, maybe a year apart? I don't know. Every once in a while, you could get them like maybe a little bit of fruit. Yeah, absolutely. Like even if you want to do like once a week, that'd be okay. Just a small amount. Just like how we give... Just like how we give our leopard gecko daddy a mm -hmm. waxworm every so often. Yeah, exactly. We could give, if we had a hamster, we can just fruit every once in a while. Yeah. Not so we, too much. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. We want to make sure they have real food and that they also have, they can have treats for sure, but it just needs to be like treats, not an everyday thing. You know, or if you do do it every day, very small amounts of it. And then the other really important thing for them is they also do need to have like hay to be able to chew on. There's lots of different things that we have to talk about around that. But usually you do have to worry about like when they're growing, I believe it's alfalfa hay that you want to give them because there's a lot of calcium in it. But once they're an adult, you actually want to switch that to something like a Timothy hay or just not alfalfa hay because they'll actually get stones that form from it because there's too much calcium. They'll get bladder stones from it. With the, when they're an adult, you got to change a lot of those things as far as what you're feeding them. And should we talk about the guinea pigs and the hamster? That was, so that's hamsters. So guinea pigs, I do actually really like guinea pigs. I used to, I don't know if you remember, I used to rescue guinea pigs when you were little. And mom told me I needed to stop doing that. <laughs> but You're not stopping that. I did have to because I'm allergic to the hay. So I can't really have a lot of them there. But I did. I used to rescue the guinea pigs. And then I sent them over to your school, actually, when you were little, to be school pets. But guinea pigs are really interesting because they have to have vitamin C, like extra vitamin C, which people don't really think about because that's usually like, oh, it should be in their diet. But you do actually have to give them extra vitamin C, which uh, usually I believe the most efficient way is to put it into their water. But you also got to change that water every day to make sure they've gotten an adequate enough 
amount of vitamin C. There can't be too much or bladder stones. There can't be too little or is it? That's calcium. Calcium and vitamin C oh. are two different oh. things. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems, it seems very similar, right? But they're actually two different things. And then the other big thing for our guinea pigs is the most common reason why I ended up having to rescue them was because they ended up getting something called bumblefoot. So a bumblefoot is like at the bottom of the pads of their foot. They walk on those and they have a lot of weight on those, right? So if their cage isn't cleaned all the time, they get this bumblefoot and it like makes these ulcers or these scars inside their feet. And it's really painful for them if their feet swell up, um, there's a bacteria that gets in there. It's really hard to fix. So a lot of times they have to do, like when I got them, I would have to do bandaging on them every single day to get them to the point to where their feet were okay. And then changing their, their bedding out, like literally every day, every other day while they have that. When they don't have that, like you can change it every three to five days is probably fine. I even had to do it, did it to where it was like a week if it was a really large cage. But if you have a smaller cage, like you really got to do it pretty often. Otherwise, they pee everywhere. They poop everywhere. Remember how like we went in the snow this, this last week and there was a lot deer. of deer poop? Right. Deer. deer poop everywhere. So do hamsters. So do guinea pigs. So do gerbils. They poop everywhere. And then for gerbils. Same things. They're, they are very similar to a guinea pig. It's pretty much everything that you would do the same. But they do need, like I said, adequate enough space. Hamsters, you can get a hamster ball, like the little balls they that they can roll around so in. So they can go out yeah. in places. They can exercise. They can run. As they long can as, explore. As long as you don't have a cat that really wants to eat that tiny little furry morsel running mm -hmm. around. Is exactly. a plastic ball. They want to get through that plastic ball. And I don't think a hamster would do very well getting thrown around. Yeah, they are, they're prey, they're um, a prey animal. So like a lot of other animals eat them, right? They're not an animal that goes to eat other animals. So they get really scared when they like smell a cat around or if they have a cat that's trying to bat them around. That's really, really scary for them. Can you imagine if you had a giant that just picked you up in a ball and started shaking you or just rolled you around, right? I would flip out. Yeah. So it's really important for kids as well to know not to roll those things around because it's very scary for them. And you could actually really injure them because they may flip and then land on their head or they, land on their back. They are tiny. They're, yeah. they're, not, they're, they're not built for getting thrown around. Exactly. Yeah. And I've definitely had hamsters and guinea pigs that have broken their leg because somebody was like playing with the ball and they, they broke their leg from or toe, things like that. But Toddler. It was a toddler. Yep. Mm -hmm. But it happens like they just, it's just really important for people to watch though, to make sure that nobody's able to do that. No dogs can get to them. No cats can get to them. Nobody can shake them around, things like that. Yeah. And then also just enrichment things. It's also like important for like your dog and cat, right? Your cat has toys. Your dog has toys. Your hamster and guinea pig should have toys as well. Like if you have a cat or cats and, and a guinea pig that you're thinking about putting in a little plastic ball, then... Maybe put the cat in the other room. I don't know if there's, they might make balls big enough for the guinea pigs, but. Um, I doubt, I doubt that that's going to take up a lot of space. Takes up a lot of space. And they're still going to get thrown around. True. Well, they also have big tubes that they can go to. So like some people have two different enclosures and then just have tubes that connect to them. So that way they have like, they can go back and forth. And that's a really great way for to do enrichment too, because you can put like certain foods in one area and you can put certain foods in another one where you could put treats in one and treats different treats in another one and they also really like said they like to burrow things so like hiding treats is good too because it just gives them some mental stimulation if i have a hamster in my house 
I'm going to deck out the walls with tubes. Yeah, that'd be really cool. There's like, going to be a lot. Just do like tubes everywhere all over your house. There's just a tube like just going. Yeah. Like two enclosures. This is for the hamster wheel. This one is for the hamster. This one is for food. Yeah. And more extras. I don't know if they can go inside of the hamster ball. Just certain things to try to help them stimulate their mind because Dude, people, have dreams. people tend to want to only just, they get the hamster and they're like, okay, just have to feed it and clean it every once in a while. But that's, yeah. make sure the cat doesn't eat it. But it's more important than just that. It, you know, it definitely takes a lot more of, it takes a lot more. Like you definitely want to be like holding them every day so that they get used to you. They get used to your smells. You want to interact with them. You want to provide mental stimulation for them. All those really nice things. Did you have other questions about it? I was thinking, wait, is this like the same with between all three for the guinea pigs, hamster, gerbil? Mm -hmm. Yep, for like, all of them. If there are two males or two males, female, male, female, do basically the same things happen? Uh, yeah. In so males tend to be territorial. So it can be hard to have two males in the same cage versus two females. Most of the time they do okay. But sometimes they don't do very well. But it's, it's like a trial and error. A lot of times they say usually two females are better or a male and a female. But the only thing is if you have a male and a female, you might have to end up having guinea pig babies or hamster babies. I think dad would like guinea pig babies. Yeah, they are pretty cute. But but if you have a lot of them, then now you have to figure out what to do with all these guinea pigs. What right? am I going to do with these puffballs? Yeah. So a lot of people will just get one rather than getting multiple of them because you just don't always know if they're going to get along okay. or not. Sometimes you can get two from the from the same litter, like two females from the same litter, they, and then you have a better chance of them liking each other. Two males, one female. No, two males. Two males, one, they'll fight. They will fight for the female. Yes. And then two females, one male. A lot of hamster babies? Probably a lot of hamster babies. Yeah. You know how I talk about how cats and dogs need to have a C-section? So they need help giving birth, right? So guinea pigs and hamsters can have the same exact thing. I've definitely had to do a C-section on a guinea pig before. The hamsters are the ones, the really small ones. I've not had to do a C-section on a hamster, but they definitely can have problems giving birth. It's like you have to think about those things ahead of time. It might be cute to have all these hamster babies and guinea pig babies. But what are you going to do with them when they get big? What are you going to do with them? If are you going to be able to find, find a home for them? If they're guinea pig babies, you're going to have a lot of... You're going to have a lot of money spent and all. And... You need a lot of space, right? Yeah. Or you need to find somebody else who wants guinea pigs. And I don't remember how many babies they have off the top of my head, unfortunately. But a they, lot. My guess is going to be like six-ish. But I, like I said, I'm not 100%. I can't remember. That, that's still a lot for them. Yeah. But, but just think about the fact that if you have six guinea pig babies, now you have to find six homes or... Three homes or whatever. You still know. need to find multiple homes for them. Just like when you have cats who have kittens, same thing. You got to find know. multiple homes for them. Unless you find a crazy person who likes collecting guinea pigs and has enough space in her house. Well, it's not a crazy person. If they can provide that space for the guinea pigs and they're able to give them love and enrichment and play with them each day, like they, then that's fine. You can have multiple guinea pigs. You just need to have a lot of that space. And you need to have enough food and yeah, you got to have enough food. You got to be able to take care of them. If you can sustain them and and everyone is fine with this and it's working out, then it, yeah. Yeah. Like your goal is to have five cats, right? Or 50 cats. Who knows? Yeah. 
But if, as long as you can provide for them, you can afford veterinary care for them. You can have enough space for them. You can have enough litter boxes for them. Probably, it's the same thing with guinea pigs and hamsters. Probably like four or five. I think that's enough because 50 okay. is just. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if that's, that's like 51 litter boxes. Yes. That's a lot of litter boxes, right? The other thing we have to talk about too is like their teeth. So like they will overgrow their teeth unless they have things to chew on. So they definitely need like toys, objects, things like that. Like things that are specifically meant for chewing so that they can chew on that to be able to grind their teeth so down So they basically well. need chew toys? Yeah, like except, a chew toy. Yep. Except they're not as soft. Yeah, they're not soft like what we think about for dogs and cats or dogs having chew toys. Some dogs have really firm chew toys like you have the... Kong. Yeah, Kongs, things like that that are really firm, right? But this is something that just kind of like helps to grind their teeth down a little bit. Block better. of wood? Well, it, a lot of them are like blocks of wood. Blocks of wood that are small enough to fit in there and mm-hmm. are firm enough. Yeah. To... Also, like the hay helps grind them down. Their feed helps grind them down. Like those things help as well. But having something for them to chew on too will definitely help. Any other questions about them? How long can they, they live if they are like, like how... Like their average and how far they can actually go if they're cared for or well. Yeah, I don't have that exact data off the top of my head, but I believe with guinea pigs, it is about five-ish years, if I remember correctly. And if they're treated well. If they're treated well. For hamsters, it's a lot shorter. So it's usually like a year and a half to three years, I believe. Three years is basically you you met their needs perfectly. Yeah, and there's a lot of other things that they can get to, like when they get older, like females tend to get a lot of cancer, unfortunately. So they'll usually get masses in their abdomen or masses on their outside. And a lot of times they'll have to be put to sleep for those reasons. But that's the same thing with dogs and cats. They tend to have cancer when they're that's older as well. This happens in basically everything. Yeah, unfortunately. That's it. And then triple. I believe that they're the same, about five-ish years. Any other questions? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Did you want to talk about reptiles now? Leopard geckos and other lizards. So you want to talk about like housing for the lizards? And like what to do with them, how to treat yeah. them, and the interactions. Yeah. Well, there's, they're a little more complicated than having a pocket pet. So they're not a pocket pet. They're, they're, they're just, they need more things. I always think that a leopard gecko can be a really easy lizard yeah. to have. Like Dottie. We have a, we have a leopard gecko. People do need to know that they do live a long time. So they can live like 15 years, but they're pretty easy to take care of. Mostly they just want, they need water. They need a source of water. Typically it's easier to spray them down. Well, they, have, they make these really nice things that you can put on top of their, their cage. It just rains down and they really like those things. Oh, like basically like a ceiling humidifier? Like that, yeah. It rains down on them. And if you have it hot enough, it makes it humid enough in that in that enclosure for them. Because they like to lick water off of like walls or rocks, plants, so, things like that. So that's why you spray off like the, the fake wall? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I spray her fake wall so she can lick off of that. And somewhere for them to be under the fake yep. rocks, the little coconut. Yeah, exactly. They need humid hiding spaces for the leopard geckos. So they need, like, I have a coconut that sits right up, like, by the heat. So that, that way it makes it nice and humid in there. Like, I spray it down inside the coconut that has moss in it. 
or making a humid hole. Like she has four or five different places that are humid. Half of the tank is going to be pretty hot with a really hot, hot spot. And each, each reptile is different for like how much they need and how much heat they need and how much humidity they need. So you got to look it up and know exactly how much. But she has half the tank that's really hot and half the tank is cooler. Not cold, but cooler. And so that way, the, well, the middle will then be warm. So she can regulate where she wants to go for, because they're not quite like us. We have, we are warm-blooded, right? So we can actually- She's like, cold-blooded. She's cold-blooded. So warm-blooded animals can keep their warmth, their body temperature the same all we the time. Can, we can go anywhere. We can go anywhere hot and cold as long as we have- enough clothing for the cold and uh, and less clothing for the heat yeah yeah so reptiles they're cold-blooded so they have to be able to use the environment around them to keep them warm so in order to warm up they have to go to a rock or something that's really warm they sun they sun themselves and then they'll go back into under rocks and hiding places and And that will cool them down to cool them down they can't they can't get too or they and they can't get too cold, so they need yeah. to ma- make schedule like regular intervals or something yeah. and cooling. And if they are in a really cold place, let's say during the winter, they'll do something called brumation. B r u m a t i o n. Brumation. It's like hibernation, except for it just means that they're bringing their body temperature down. They are making it to where they don't need to eat very often. They're mostly just resting. So it's. Basically, hibernation. It's like the reptile version of hibernation. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not quite sleeping they, all the time. Yeah. But... Except they have more control over it. Yeah. That's how they can keep themselves. They won't stay warm during that period of time. They'll stay colder, but it's a way for them to be able to survive through that cold. And they don't need to eat a lot before. Right? Yeah. They don't have to eat a lot from it. Yep. Exactly. They just, I don't know. They, if they're skinny, then they need to eat more maybe. They usually eat a lot right before brumation, and then they don't eat anything during brumation. Okay. Yeah. So either they have a hidey place, they have a humid place, they have a hot place, they have a cooler place, and then just depending on which reptile you have depends on what kind of diet. So leopard geckos, they usually eat just insects. So they'll eat crickets, mm-hmm. or what do we have for our I leopard gecko? Pink. It's called a mealworm. Mealworm. Yeah. They're basically baby food. Mealworms are not baby flies. Oh, no, beetles. they're baby beetles. Yep. They'll go from, I don't know, larvae to worm to, wait, they'll go from larvae to worm to larvae to beetle. Pup. Okay, so they go from larva to... Larvae? From larvae to, to worm. To mealworm, and you can worm tell... to pupa. Worm to pupa, and then pupa, pupa to, beetle. to beetle. Yep. And mm. then the beetles do crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, wasn't there like a premature phase sometimes? Not really a premature no, sure thing. Like for beetles, there's, they sometimes they look weird. They do look weird. I will actually tell people, anybody who's planning on getting reptiles or an animal that needs to eat some sort of mealworms, there's this really cool thing that I found, and I'll put a link to it in our show notes, but it's this, it's this bug factory, essentially, as to where you can separate out your worms and your pupa and the larva. And it makes it really easy to be able to farm the worms or basically make your own worms yeah. instead of having to buy them every week. It's been made really simple. I used to have it to where I'd put them just in a cricket container and it just didn't really work very well because the beetles would try to eat the larva instead of the food that I was feeding them. 
So this works great. And it's like I said, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But also, as so we talked about like leopard geckos, they're more, they're out during the night usually, not usually during the day. You Ours is a little bit different. You to feed them during sunset when it gets mm-hmm. to that point. Yeah. Yeah. So they're actually known as what's called corpuscular, meaning they come out at sunset and at sunrise mostly. Okay. So they're basically, so they're a little more than nocturnal. Yeah. They're not quite nocturnal. They're more corpuscular. So forgot you got to make sure the mealworms don't eat the leopard gecko. Yes. They so, both, it works both ways. The leopard right. gecko eats the mealworm, but if the mealworm is given the opportunity, it will definitely eat the leopard gecko. Absolutely. It will go over there and devour them. Yeah. So I'll usually put the mealworm in with her, and if she doesn't eat it after about five minutes or so, I take all of them yeah, out. Yeah, we have a little, kind of like a little- A little bowl, exactly. They even make bowls to where like the uh, mealworms can't escape. They have like a ridge or a lip on top so that they can't get out. I so those are great something. as well. So we try to keep all of them in there to make sure that if she doesn't eat them, we can take them out. Satisfying to watch her eat them. Yeah. She's just going around. She sees a worm and she will eat that thing in like a second. Yep. Really fast. Yeah. So they like doing those kind of things. And then every once in a while, a waxworm. Yep, you can feed them waxworms. I try, try not to feed them a lot of those because we don't want them to be very fatty. Just so, when just when it's time for them to hibernate. Yeah, I do like to try That's to feed her that. more of them when she brumates. She has decided those last two years not to brumate. That's fine. That's up to her. I can't force her to brumate. It's her but, choice. Yep. She's just too warm and comfortable. And, and she fine. likes winter, apparently. Yeah, but she'll definitely eat less during the winter, though. And then say leopard geckos, chameleons. Chameleons are great, except for they are a lot of hard work. I loved my chameleon, but they are definitely a lot of hard work. They are worth it to have. Yeah. So leopard geckos usually need, they're not climbers usually. They'll climb little things, but they mostly need lots of space going like horizontally versus chameleons. They like they to climb up. They need more space going up. I remember up. when we, when we were in the condo, the enclosure was like, I don't know, from the edge of this desk, to like right here. Yeah, it's and pretty, th- pretty, big. pretty thin and very tall. That's usually what they need. They need branches. And they need lots of branches. They like to hide. You need um, to somehow position those branches so they can just keep going up and it's not basically a nest at the bottom. Yeah, and they also need a lot of that rainfall as well. So, so they, they need the ceiling humidifier. Yep, so I had a humidifier in there to keep it really humid. So I'd push um, steam in there essentially. And then I also had rain coming from the top. So I had lots of things hooked up to this thing. Like it took a lot to be able to keep them, to keep that, that chameleon very sustained the way it needed to be. So I had like humidifier going in. I had a rain thing on top. Plus the other thing I forgot to mention too is lights. Lights are very important. You need a- You have a heat lamp that heats up the area, but you also have a UVB lamp. So the UVB allows for them to have good vitamin penetration. Because um, they need that. They're not outside, right? Where inside a house, they don't see the sun. They need vitamin C so their skin doesn't get all messed up. They need vitamin D is the thing. So, vitamin D for skin. Yep. Vitamin D for skin. It also helps with like their bone structure. They can get really bad diseases if they don't have the right amount of vitamin D. And for vitamin C, they can get the stone? Uh, they don't usually get stones as much. That's more if you give them too much vitamins. So a lot of times you need to mix. That's a really good point. You actually mix a lot of their their worms and stuff with a vitamin powder. So that way you can give them adequate enough amounts of vitamins. 
I try to tend to do that more with the worms. So I try to give them a variety of things that have a lot of vegetables in it. So that way it has a lot of vitamins in it. And so it's less likely for her to get a, to have a problem. But just even rolling the worms in the vitamin mixture can help with that. Just sometimes people tend to douse them and then they'll get oh, too much vitamins. Okay. So, so when you do the, on the right amount of powder on the worm, mm -hmm. to them, they see the worm as a food tray seasoned with their favorite seasoning. Some, some of them don't mind the, the powder on top, but some of them do not like it. Like Dottie, our leopard gecko will not eat them if there is powder on them. Okay. That. So that's why it's really important for me that I have to feed the worms appropriately to make sure that she gets the right nutrition. That makes sense why why you want me to give her the plant worms. Yeah, yeah, because she won't she will not touch them. It does not matter if she she will go weeks without eating. Because if it, yeah, if she even at all smells the powder on there, she will not accept the fruit. She will not accept it. Yep, and that's fine. Like I said, they just make a little bit more work for me, and that's okay. She is picky. Yes. <laughs> But then also, same thing like I said with, with chameleons, you got to make sure that they're the right humidity, the right temperature. They do require a lot more work. I do personally really like lizards and reptiles, but they are a lot more work. Okay. And when they get sick, it tends to take a while before you notice that they're really sick because they're, again, a prey animal. They are used to other animals eating them. So they don't show their illnesses. They very don't. Well. They don't want to to show it. They don't want yeah. to show that they are vulnerable because yeah. if there is a predator watching them, they don't want the predator to think that they are that they're right. that they're weak and they can't really do anything to protect themselves. Yeah. It's they're also, just sucking it up and they're just sucking it up and saying, "I'm perfectly fine." Yeah, and most and so chameleons mostly do insects as well. They mostly eat insects as well. You have other types of lizards like a bearded dragon. That's one of mom's favorites. Wait, doesn't Heidi have one? Heidi has one. Yep, exactly. Hi, Heidi. She has one as well. And they are a little bit more versatile in what they eat. They eat a lot of leafy vegetables. They really like vegetables. You should give them fruit, but small amounts. They are a salad person. Yeah, they're omnivores. So they're not insectivores like some other uh, lizards, like Dottie. They are omnivores, so they eat both insects and they also eat fruits and vegetables as well. Like I said, you just don't want to do a lot of fruits again because it'll give them diarrhea because they just they just don't have the correct bacteria to break all of it. But they do also like having, so if you're like, oh, I forgot to go get worms or the worms aren't ready yet, you can give them vegetables for a day or two and then go back to giving them worms. But they, they eat a variety of things and they are usually have the same things like they still need a light, they still need a UVB light, they still need to have a heat lamp, they need to have very temperatures and very specific humidities so I, I always tell people if they're gonna get a lizard they should really look into it first because you need to know what kind of setup you, you need to be prepared you need yep. to and know how much work it is gonna be and yeah. maybe set up the cave and they're a lot bigger their tanks need a lot need to be be a lot bigger because they're a lot bigger of a lizard you can have things like iguanas which are they also are omnivores so they also eat insects and they eat fruits and vegetables but they are huge and so they need really big tanks you really have to think about what kind of lizard you're going to be getting first. I don't and think also lifespan as well. So like bearded dragons live for longer, but your yeah. chameleons live for shorter. They usually around three to five ish years. But compared to other pets that like the guinea pigs and stuff, that's pretty big. Yeah, it, I don't, mean, don't reptiles normally have like longer lifespans? No, like the chameleon. Like I said, that only they only live for about three to five years ish. Besides 
Um, some of your bigger ones, like the bearded dragons, they live for yeah. longer. Like Dottie, like I said, she'd have about 15 years. I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon. She's perfect. Yeah, she's doing good. But you just never know. Like sometimes, unfortunately, you just find them and they're no longer alive because you'll never know why. They just, they just unfortunately pass away sometimes. It just happens. Yeah. You can't stop that. Yep. Yep. And then but, the longest lifespan for all the reptiles. Oh gosh, I couldn't even tell you. I don't know which Maybe one. Iguana? Iguanas live pretty long. Um, roughly about that. I'd probably, maybe even longer. I'm not sure. I've, I've only had an iguana once and that was when I was younger. So I haven't looked into them as much. But I also don't have as many that come in to the ER because usually I tell people like if you're going to get a reptile, like you should know where your nearest exotic specialist is. Because they are the people who are going to be able to do the most for you. They know the most. Like you, They are specialists. They're specialists. Like when you have people who are doing horses and dogs and cats and cows and stuff, like they can know a wide variety of things. But if you have somebody who specializes in dogs and cats, I can tell you a lot more diseases, a lot more drugs and stuff for them. Somebody who specializes in more like okay, farm animals. Everything. Yeah. I am not as good about, I don't know as much about like horses versus about dogs and cats, but same thing with pocket pets and with your reptiles. It's really good to go to somebody who's more specialized in them because they- A regular they, veterinarian is going to know a, in a like to an extent, like if yes. it's like a jack of all trees, we yeah. have, they know the wide variety of animals and know a, and know a, I know some them. things about pocket pets and reptiles. Like I can treat some diseases, but they're really hard to be able to do diagnostics on, so to do blood work on or to do x-rays on. And so I usually tell people like if you, if you really want to do everything you can for that pet, then I highly suggest going to see somebody who is an exotic specialist, somebody who specializes in that. If so that are, way they know. If they're a specialist, they know basically everything they have all but the tools for it. A really, really, really big amount just yes. about that one animal. Yeah. They could specialize on horses, but then when it comes to a dog, they're not as... They're not as special. They could probably see a dog, but they're just not as specialized, right? If and they normally are, see horses. And then there are veterinarians that aren't, really special, that aren't specialized in animals. They're able to work with... They're able to work with a wider range, though. Yes and no. You definitely have places that are just called mixed practices to where they do a lot of everything. And I don't know how specialized they really are in anything. If they don't know a lot of things, they just know a lot of things about a lot of things. I don't know. I, I've never worked at one of those one of those clinics, so I can't really say. But typically, like I said, I usually say like, if you do have those kind of pets, I do usually recommend going to see a specialist. There are definitely some veterinarians out there. Like we have Dr. Smith, who's really good at birds. We have another doctor... Dr. Millard or Dr. K, who are really good at doing pocket pits and reptiles, but they're not going to know like all of those really intricate type things. And so sometimes they have to go to somebody else for those things. Like I said, it's always good to know like where the specialists are, which emergency hospitals will see exotics, have that prepared beforehand. So like, mm -hmm. you're not scrambling at the last minute to try to find somebody. Okay. And then tomorrow is Christmas. What are we going to know what to do with animals during Christmas other than? Don't let them eat Santa. <laughs> so this podcast is going to come out after Christmas, a lot after Christmas, Probably. a couple of weeks after Christmas, because we have two episodes ahead of it. Okay. Your question is what to do with them for Christmas. 
the big what thing is if you what to get them. You know, just a random thing. I say to get them some enrichment things, to getting them something to chew on for our pocket pets or to get a new log, something new for your reptiles. Get them, get them a little, like the, maybe a little mini oasis like we got dog. Yeah. So like I got her last year, we got her a coconut and we got her a, a new, coconut and like a skull, yeah, a new a skull rock for her to go on to. We got her um, a lot of stuff. We kind of like redid her cage last year. It was just like more of a desert scene. So I made it a little less deserty. Yeah. We added air plants. Yep. Air plants. Yep. I usually say like, just do something that just kind of like makes things new for them or even like giving them some new thing to do, whether it's even like taking them out of their cage and putting them in something not for chameleons. I don't think it's much for chameleons, but like leopard geckos or breeder dragons to put them in some sort of a maze-ish type thing so that they can try to figure out their way around things. I think or the, a climbing thing for I think, them. I think the pocket pets would really like the maze. Yeah, pocket pets might like might like a maze type thing. You can like hide things in the maze. I'm thinking the way in, the way out. I yeah. don't know. There could be like a big there could be like their favorite treat. Yeah. Maybe you can even put you can even make that out of the boxes that you get like from if, Christmas. If they like if they like strawberries you could put a strawberry there yeah exactly yes you know like if they like just if they like strawberries and you think it'd be appropriate to get them a strawberry yeah. because they have hopefully not been naughty that year yeah. and they deserve it yeah there's yeah. a strawberry hopefully All santa brings them strawberries they just need to work a little bit for it yeah because nothing's free all Let right and have fun in the maze yeah all right, buddy. I think we should wrap it up now okay. since we had two topics there. Uh, All right. Kind of like three. Three topics. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, again for joining us. I want to say thank you. Thanks. And as always, please keep your pet happy, healthy, and safe. Thank you, guys. Bye. You know, Orin usually asks me questions about dogs and cats, and so I readily have those answers. But when he asks me questions about the exotic animals, I don't know all of those numbers off the top of my head. So I did go back so I could just give a couple more concrete answers for some questions that he had. He asked about the lifespan of some of those rodents. So guinea pigs usually live for about five to seven years, which I was pretty close on. He had also asked about like how many babies or how many pups that they have. And they have one to eight per litter, but they can have five litters per year. So that's why we don't have uh, male and female guinea pigs together. Hamsters, he asked about, they live up to about two years. Most of the time, they don't live that long, unfortunately. They're great little creatures to have. I love them, but uh, they don't usually live very long. Gerbils, they live for about three to four years. And then he asked about the lizards as well. So chameleons for about three to 10 years, just depending on the species. So panther chameleons, they live the least, so three to five years, versus things like Jackson chameleons, I believe are the ones that live the longest. And then iguanas, 12 to 15 years, and leopard geckos, 10 to 20 years. So just some statistics for you there, just so you have a better idea of what kind of exotic might be a good fit for you. And we didn't even cover all of them, right? There's still like ferrets and rabbits and lots and lots of different reptiles and amphibians and lots of really cool other exotic animals. But those are the ones he specifically asked me about. So just so you have some ideas of those. All right. As always, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And next week we'll be talking about people who might have gotten Christmas puppies and Christmas kittens because we were one of them one year. So I understand that. All right. Thanks, guys.
Thank you guys for listening this week. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or you just want to say hi, you can email me at shugs, S-U-G-G-S, at vetsplanationpodcast.com or visit the website at vetsplanationpodcast.com or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok at Vetsplanation. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you back here next week.